Welcome to episode 22 of Storm the Norm, the fortnightly podcast where we pick up norms that come in the way of businesses succeeding in a disruptive world. I'm Narayan. And I'm Anisha Motwani. Storm the Norm is now brought to you in association with Grant Thornton Bharat and includes GT Insights, a special capsule from a GT expert. On to today's episode now. Anisha, there seem to be many ways to cut the norm we'll tackle today. Mm-hmm. The debate around value versus valuation, the different rules by which startups and listed companies play. But the thing that seems to come up regardless of how you look at it is this. It's almost like there's an absolute disdain that startups, especially the ones that hope to scale with success, have for profitability. I mean, it seems like it's almost like a no-no for startups to do anything other than make colossal losses and burn cash. Like there's no tomorrow before they can be deemed to be successful. I see this evidenced all around us, Narayan. So you are absolutely making a relatable point. Yeah, and, I'm, and, and I probably sound militant about it. I mean, I was just reading a few days back about Zomato's pre-IPO buzz, hoping to raise, what, $1.1 billion or thereabouts from the stock market, but also being almost proud about current revenue being only slightly more than their current losses, which is already pegged at uh, around 2,400 crore Indian rupees. And that just makes you wonder what gives startups the confidence, apart from, of course, having all that VC money at their disposal, to not bother about profitability at all in their first several years of existence. Yeah, and why has it become an acceptable norm to prioritize valuation over value creation? And why have startups and VCs alike embraced this as the holy grail? When you put it like that, it does seem like there's a sense of entitlement that has seeped into the startups and the VCs alike to make money for themselves before anything else, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And the funny part, Anisha, is that the disruptive business idea that probably got the startup founders and the VCs excited in the first place was likely around changing the world or at least making it better for customers. And yet, The pre-IPO part of the journey seems to relentlessly focus on valuation creation at all costs, including making huge losses. Uh, Kara Swisher, who's described by some as Silicon Valley's most powerful tech journalist, describes startups whose VC money is running out, but who haven't yet become profitable as uh, assisted living for millennials. (laughs) Assisted living for millennials, it seems. You know, that reminds me. Uh, There's another New York Times journalist, Kevin Roos, who calls VC money for unprofitable unicorns, millennials' lifestyle subsidy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, uh, we're sitting in the outside and laughing, but uh, these (laughs) might sound like harsh indictments of what is arguably the most accepted and proven model of creating a robust entrepreneurial ecosystem. But like they say, where there's smoke, there's likely to be a fire. Why has the world so easily accepted the norm that it's okay to be a lost leader in order to become a unicorn? What you describe as harsh indictments on the startup world from the likes of Kara Swisher or Kevin Roos are still only words. If a listed company were to chalk up such a colossal loss as unicorns do, not only would they not get away with it, but they would likely get indicted in the court of shareholders as well as in the court of law. So I'm with you in trying to understand why this norm is so prevalent and how we can storm it. You know, since we have to be practical, Anisha, and find ways to storm this norm, perhaps the corollary we need to explore is this. 
Do startups not need to think about the path to profitability? And if they do, is this path so different from that for listed companies? How? Why? Great questions, Nadan. And before I burn my fingers trying to answer them, let me pass the torch on to someone a lot more capable of it. Our guest expert today is Vikas Agnihotri, Operating Partner, Operating Group at SoftBank Investment Advisors India. Vikas was previously the interim head of Google India and before that the managing director of sales for Google India. I dare say he will have a strong opinion about this norm, if not some interesting ways to storm it. Vikas, it is a pleasure to have you here on this episode of Storm the Norm. Thank you, Anisha and Narayan for having me here. Always a pleasure uh, to interact with you, Anisha. Uh, Good to get to know you, Narayan, through this journey. Uh, And yes, let's get started. Uh, Anisha, over to you. Yes. So the norm that we want to storm with you today is most Indian startups have towering valuations, but no sign of profit. In fact, 70% of the so-called unicorns in India are loss leaders. What's your view on that, Vikas? How do you explain that? Let me start by, you know, in an overall sense, the way we look at it, uh, clearly scale is good. Scale at any cost as you would also know, is a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. And I think clearly showed death. Uh, but a lot of behavior, when you look at it, we should not just blame uh, the startup ecosystem or the founders, uh, the unicorns, uh, but it's also actually very largely driven by the investor community and the kind of support that the investors are actually ready to give. And, and therefore, you know, you've got to give credit to both sides. Uh, as they are scaling, uh, what the path to profitability will look like because, because to many, uh, at a point of time, if you were to take a snapshot, it's not, it's not that evident. Uh, but as long as there is a path to profitability, it starts making sense. So uh, what I would want to share with you, uh, just to give you perspective is, uh, the way we at, uh, the SoftBank Vision Fund really look at some of the opportunities and, and what goes behind our thinking when we are backing, uh, some of these, uh, organizations. Uh, we generally, we believe we take to unicorn levels because there is a lot of money involved. Uh, and as I said, you know, scale is good, but scale at any cost is a recipe for disaster. Um, I really want to challenge you because you're saying that's not true. But we have yes. enough evidence. Look at last year's balance sheets. Colossal losses and stupendous valuations. No, no, absolutely. Uh, Anisha, again, as I said, if you take a snapshot of a moment of time when the journey is on, it'll always look incomplete, mm-hmm. right? If you were, if you were painting a picture, uh, and, and you're halfway through it, it's going to look incomplete for sure because the story is not complete. If you were making a jigsaw puzzle and you were making a complex jigsaw puzzle, let's put it with, with about 500 pieces of the puzzle to go in and you've reached about a hundred of them, you will obviously think that is making no sense because obviously with hundred pieces, with 400 to come in, you as people from the outside world are unable to visualize and imagine what the puzzle is going to look like or what the painter is making the painting that's going to look like. Mm-hmm. So it's a journey. If you were, if you were to take a snapshot of Amazon or Tesla or many of the other companies when they had just about been in their journey two to three years or four years into, into their life, you would actually see similar kind of constraints. 
but as scale comes in as they grow there is there is the path to profitability that comes into taking shape uh, and that's where i'm getting at because again as investors when we look at it ourselves also it is it is we think we provide them with capital counsel and connections and and you need to understand that all three are very important especially when you're making you're taking bets on emerging uh, technologies technologies that are going to solve big problems and will eventually have a big impact because that that is the way it has to happen right that you pick up a big problem that some of these unicorns are trying to solve technology and ai is going to actually solve it for you and when you solve it it's going to have a big impact and the question is that when you're trying to do all of this you're also trying to do it at rapid pace and rapid scale when rapid pace rapid scale of things that are not you know things that have that are going to change behavior mm-hmm. actually takes a lot of money to have money to come in right mm-hmm. so so when you start thinking on it from that perspective right mm-hmm. uh, you also need to understand that in the initial phase when you're making these you know when you're investing behind companies there are a couple of reasons why there is a lot of capital that goes in and it takes time to take shape as i said one is initial capital that you're providing will always actually in our mind in our perspective it actually frees the founders time and mind from just chasing for more capital and raising you know time and again but they focus on what they know best which is building world class companies the other thing is that with capital they are able to attract because they're solving for big problems they are able to attract better talent better talent from my years of experience here as well as in my previous company will always come when you're really challenging and trying to solve things that that are like literally like moonshot kind of solutions that you're working on and again i mean when you put all of that together at least at at our level at softbank we have a we have a little phrase that we call that you know you got to nail it and then scale it so we work really hard with all our all our uh, uh, investors uh, all our companies uh, and all our founders actually to really work hard to build a model uh, that clearly has a path to profitability because once you nail that it's easy to scale that uh, and that to us is is uh, i think is really really important uh, just to give you an example and you gave examples of several companies right mm-hmm. where the concern is when mm-hmm. let's ex- take an example of an e-commerce company right mm-hmm. if an e-commerce company at scale is still making a loss at a transaction level then that's a problem right mm-hmm. but if the if the companies are contribution positive per order right then there is it makes sense because you need to be contribution positive because the other costs that are going in then are really manageable costs because they will be marketing costs etc etc that goes that goes beyond that and as scale comes your investments going behind marketing and other uh, aspects which are more controllable will obviously start coming down and suddenly because you were you had a model that was more contribution positive it overall starts making sense and all these companies you will see will will actually be will move into that direction so uh, i'm tempted to go off script here a little bit because because there's so much food for thought you've given over here but let me let me stay on script for a minute and ask and and, and i think there i already know the answer to this one uh, is there an ideal time horizon to get to a bit positive for a startup 
no it's you know, <laughs> uh it's it all depends on uh, you know what is what is the nature of the the company the industry that you're in uh, and what are you trying to solve so if you look at saas companies versus e-commerce companies obviously saas companies will reach that uh, stage much faster because saas companies have much higher contribution they are b2b uh, play and and you can manage the cost um, uh, you can get scale and then manage cost much faster and much earlier uh then when you're looking at a b2c kind of company where as i said you're trying because it's new technology you're changing behavior you're changing the way uh things are done uh and that does take time that does take time and the, i mean anyone uh, and you know uh, with your background in anisha's uh being uh in marketing uh you would appreciate that a changing consumer behavior uh is it does take time so a corollary to that seems to be when I'm, i'm still on the point about the time horizon but i'm less bothered about um uh, the time horizon to become a bit a positive and i think you addressed that squarely um you know the other factor that you've been talking about multiple times even in the last few minutes is one of scale um obviously a startup must be innovative but it sounds to me like the definition of success uh, is is for a startup to obviously be innovative but also to scale uh, and scale scale quickly if possible but given that the the main task is of changing consumer behavior on mass uh, which of these is more important is it is it the need to be originally innovative because as you might notice a lot of uh, indian startups at least seem to be borrowing ideas from elsewhere but uh, adapting and implementing them for india uh or is it it doesn't matter that it's not an original idea all it requires is changing consumer behavior adapted to this context or at scale so oh, i think that's a great question uh let me let me start by saying that again we are we are looking at it from a perspective uh not exactly from the entire startup community but startups that get funding and that are supported by large investors right so if you if you want to do and that's where scale comes in so i'm trying to address the first question uh, or the issue around scale to begin with if you want to build a a great company and you want to build a mickey mouse size company to do something you know in in your local area or maybe your city or something like that sure go right ahead and do it and you know uh, you don't need external capital maybe uh, you can manage that yourself and you will still do a great job at building a great company but when you're ambitious enough to say i do want to address and look at solving as i keep saying solving big problems that will get solved through technology and ai and and therefore you're looking for a big impact you need support on money and when you are looking into doing that then you have to bring scale into the picture right and uh, to me i think that's the most important uh, because that's how that's why you need capital to blow in and when large capital goes in then you need scale for for everybody to get returns uh, returns on that right uh, in terms of uh, your other part of the question where you said that are indian startups innovative enough and things like that uh i've seen a lot of change and a lot of companies trying to bring change and i when i look at that i like to classify that into three buckets really 
The first one I call it is in terms of disruptive and innovative from a global perspective. And I think everyone likes to look at those kind of companies because that's the shining thing. And everybody likes to say that, hey, I mean, it's very visible, that scale, that's big. However, India and when startups are looking at India and solving for issues in India, India, very complex kind of situation with a great opportunity in any case. So the second bucket I look at is where you are seeing frugal disruptions that are, that are happening. Uh, because sometimes those disruptions, uh, done frugally are the need of the yard for a country of, of our kind, uh, and, and will scale because there's a large mass, uh, of the population, which is requiring those kind of disruptions to happen, uh, for, for certain things for their businesses to scale. The third is the classic Indian jugad on innovation, right? I would only request people not to classify innovations with only one lens. Uh, there is a, there is room for looking at things that are happening in the country beyond that. Because one final question before we wind yep. up. Mm-hmm. 90% of Indian startups fail within the first five years of their inception. And COVID mm-hmm. has, you know, further compounded the troubles of so many of them. And when, I mean, there's some data that I was reading that says that most of them will not be able to survive beyond the next six to nine months if there is not enough capital infused into those startups. So are Indian startups serious business or will they just fade away once the funding from VCs and PEs dry up? I think India ecosystem, the startup ecosystem probably is one of the most vibrant uh, that we can see that's happening in the world. You have, if you just look at some of the numbers, right? You have over 55,000 odd startups, uh, that have, uh, that have taken shape over the last five years. You've had $65 billion of investment that has gone over the last five years. Uh, has it chased thousands of companies? No, it chased 3,200 startups, right? So you will, you, you may say that, hey, when there was 55,000, did all of them get funding? No, they didn't get funding. But think about the quantum that we're talking about, right? $65 billion chasing 3,200 startups that are coming out of this country. That's massive. It's actually unbelievable. If I look back five to eight years for someone to say, can something like this happen? We would hope for it, but the kind of change that's happened is quite, quite magical. In fact, we ourselves, uh, at SoftBank, I think we've invested over $13 billion, uh, between SoftBank and SoftBank Vision Fund in, into the country. Uh, over the last six months from the start of the year, we've actually closed six deals and put in beyond $2 billion into the country. So why are we all doing it, right? Because I think there's something something about India that is actually attracting everybody. We've got to look at the bigger picture to say, this country is expected to be the third largest economy, you know, uh, over the next five to 10 years give or take plus minus one year. I mean, I'm saying seven, people can say seven, six, eight. So I'm just giving a broader range. Uh, it's, this is, it's a consumption driven economy. You have great talent. You have a young population that's digitally connected and you have a per capita income that's actually growing. There's a middle class. That's a big middle class. That's actually, you know, adding to the per capita. So there are, there's enough and more that's, that's truly happening. Now, Money or capital, uh, and support will always chase companies that have a good business model. And that takes us to the first question that you actually earlier asked. If you're building a great company, 
you will always find capital. In fact, people also ask that will companies find an exit eventually or investors find an exit? If you're building great companies, you will find capital, whether it's public or private, and you will also find exits on as we, as you go along. So the idea really, and I think the people must always remember that build great companies. Don't try and do, you know, don't try and do shining things just for the fact that, you know, it looks pretty cool. Do cool things that matter. Uh, and, and as long as you have a path to profitability, as long as you're trying to solve the big problems that you are, as long as you are disruptive enough using technology, AI, data science, et cetera, to put things together, you will always, always succeed. But it's been absolutely riveting. So, uh, I mean, this, I think the, the purpose of this conversation has been to provoke more conversation. I think you've done that very astutely. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. So, Nadine, what did you take away from everything that Vikas said? You know, it strikes me, Nisha, that the best insights on any of the norms that our guest experts have tackled actually goes, goes back to the basics. Mm. And that's what stood out for me from what Vikas said too. Mm. But perhaps the most important thing he said for me was that startups need to remember, actually need to never forget that their world-changing idea will never see success unless they recognize that what they're setting out to do is create behavior change. Without that recognition, no amount of cash burn can set a startup on the path to profitability. What about you, Anisha? How would you storm this norm? What hacks do you have for our audience? Yeah, and I also recall, you know, the three very basic questions that Vikas said. Are mm. your customers happy with you? Will mm. they buy more from you? Will they therefore more? Absolutely. I mean, no matter whether it's a brick or mortar business or a click and buy business, the norms don't change. Exactly. Yeah, so, so how would you storm this norm? I believe the crux of storming this norm is in getting startups to solve for value creation rather than valuation, as you have said right in the beginning. Mm. The first one actually is that for many startups, the pivot from idea to reality ends up with pivoting from clarity to confusion. <laughs> I'm intrigued. Many entrepreneurs start with a great idea and an even bigger dream and hit the road. The market experience leads the idea to a new direction and the company decides to pivot. The problem that happens is that in the absence of a clear vision for growth and optimizing revenues, a majority of India's startup resort to pivot so often that the path completely diverges from the original purpose, often with no new targets or milestones in sight. And mm -hmm. this deflection then quickly spirals out of control and the company mm -hmm. hits a roadblock. So mm -hmm. while pivoting is a great idea, but it's also important to take into account numerous factors that entail a successful pivot and reduce the risk of pivoting. The most important aspect of pivoting is to pick new goals and align it to your vision as soon as you decide to pivot. Okay. Also, uh, it's about making sure that the new direction presents a better opportunity for growth that has factored in consumers' voices and a better scope for expansion and diversification, right? No, no, absolutely right, Narayan. And, you know, add to that is another crucial aspect and that is to make sure you don't scrap everything you've invested and created mm. thus far, but modify and build on it. Mm. Pivoting is a tricky business. I think that needs to be navigated in a manner that it leads from confusion to clarity. 
and not vice versa. Well said. The second hack is it's not all rainbows and unicorns, as the saying goes. Mm-hmm. Raising the unicorns is a fundamentally flawed approach to building your startup. Because if you start with this whole thing of that, I want to be a unicorn in X number of years. Mm. It gets you into this growth at all costs proposition. Mm. And that proposition only works in the strongest bull markets and in the most optimal conditions. And at some point, this party ends because bull runs are not perpetual and no one has limitless capital to fund a perpetually money losing business. Absolutely. So, you know, the resilient startups are the ones that are actually looking at executing balanced growth and taking a long term outlook. And they weave in diversification into the business model. Hmm. Ensure the rich tapestry of enabling ecosystem of adjacent products and services or markets or customer segments and build the full stack of supporting structures. This means that they have multiple business lines and products or segments and geographies and provide an ecosystem of services from day one. So when if one thing does not pick up, then you are able to navigate and pick up something else. So much sense over there, Manisha. By focusing on balanced growth, building for the long term, as well as deepening and diversifying for resilience, these smart startups not only survive market shocks, but they can also grow and thrive in good times and bad. And bad times, absolutely. And in short, they turn adversity into advantage. And what's the third hack now? And this is this is a very common one, but I still it's also very relevant though. The do not burn before you earn. Hmm. And we all know that running out of cash is one of the topmost reasons for startups to fail. You know, COVID and pandemic has actually, the survey that was recently done that 70% of startups will run out of cash in six to nine months if the situation remains the same is evidence right. of this. Right. So cash flow management and staying on top of your burn rate is the most basic aspect of startup survival. Hmm. A large trend that many financial statements of funded startups reveal is that the burn is far greater than the core revenue generated by the business. And when that's the business model, the stability of the firm's future comes into question. And I think Vikas did touch upon it Mm. in in his conversation. And the hacks to circumvent this unviable business model is actually quite simple. The first one is right pricing from the start. Mm. Price shouldn't be considered a barrier to growth. Instead, it's a feature of the product that reflects its market position and its quality. The second one is cost management through the life cycle. Okay? Resiliency has two factors. One is the unit economics of the business for user acquisition. And second is how much do you invest in headcount ahead of the revenue curve to drive that growth. And this is where startups need to take a calibrated and calculated decision. And, you know, one other thing that occurs to me, uh, especially when we connected back to that outcome of generating behavior change, mm-hmm. is that the advertising and promotion expenses being greater than the revenue earned year after year. Mm. The biggest problem as a scale that the company is looking to reach with that investment is not being delivered. And from a layman's angle, in such cases, the firm is paying the customer more than the revenue this customer is generating for the firm. And when has that ever been optimum for any business? Yeah, you, you're, you're buying customers instead of creating and profitable customers. Yeah. The next hack, the fourth one, is actually something which is both a boon and a blessing and a curse. Private mm. equity investments. Mm. 
each startup decision is influenced by a founder's ambition and his or her vision of how big and how fast. That's how big do we want the startup to become and how fast do we want to get there. And that sometimes leads to the problem of having too much money too soon. Many a times entrepreneurs get swayed by valuation numbers. They forget that valuations are a function of supply and demand. With the demand for Indian startup investment opportunities clearly outstripping the supply of quality companies in the marketplace today, unrealistic valuations abound. And the problem is further compounded by the fact that the private market lacks any independent benchmarks or independent benchmark estimates of value. With too much money comes the risk of getting overextended with high expectation and the infusion of capital earlier on might not have been able to accelerate the business fast enough to meet those expectations. And many startups end up over-promising and under-delivering, choosing the Mm. right investors, infusing the capital at the right time, and utilizing the same with prudence and a long-term outlook is critical to manage this risk-return trade-off. And, and nodding in agreement to every point you're making because it seems so straightforward and yet so easily missed. And the last one is that so many startups actually do not have an exit route or strategy in place. The predicament of Indian startups is made worse by a general lack of an exit route or a clear timeline for exit. Typically, investors rely on public listings as an exit route when putting money into startups. And if you take a closer look at financial records, it indicates that even the unicorns in the Indian startup ecosystem are nowhere close to ready for IPOs. And you did talk about Zomato's pre-IPO buzz, you know. Mm. The attempt to try and offload the risk onto the public puts the exit route and IPO market in in a big danger zone. You know, so technically what you're doing is you're offloading your risk onto the public. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm again just marveling at the simplicity and yet just uh, depth of wisdom in, in these hacks. Uh, Nisha, if I may quickly recap, right? Make sure if you're planning to pivot your startup that it goes from confusion to clarity and not the other way. Uh, second, don't chase becoming a uniform, uh, unicorn. Uh, aim for balanced growth you become a unicorn uh, on the way. Third seems like, you know, an age-old axiom, but don't burn before you earn. The fourth, uh, choose your investors wisely because they can turn out to be either a curse or a boon. And lastly, make sure you have your exit strategy in place and, and you've thought it through. Uh, so again, insightful, practical, and, and might I add, urgently needed, Anisha. So thank you for this. hacks. I think that gives us a great place to segue into our GT Insights module where GT expert Raja Lahiri tells us how business can specifically help storm this norm. Raja is TMT leader and partner growth advisory at GT Bharat. Raja, what practical advice do you have for businesses in navigating the storm between value creation and valuation? Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be on this podcast. Raja, the question that we have for you is, what's your advice to startups and VCs? Is there an alternative to being loss leaders as you scale up? Absolutely. Uh, Unfortunately, there are no uh, shortcuts. I think Mm -hmm. the fundamentals needs to be at the core. Mm -hmm. I guess first, which is the obvious one, is really the unit economics, right? When you are selling a service or a product, right, Mm -hmm. is your unit economics profitable or not? Mm -hmm. If you're starting with a model where your unit economics is, is really 
is not profitable and it's mm-hmm. loss making mm-hmm. and you really do not have a plan for a profitability i think that's the biggest issue mm-hmm. so you need to have a unit economics model which is profitable or mm-hmm. at least you have a specific path to profitability mm-hmm. what are the things that you could do as you asked i think first i guess look at the product quality but more importantly very very closely look at your pricing right mm-hmm. uh, pricing of your product pricing of your service customers will always pay for quality products and services wherever you are which whichever part of the globe mm-hmm. if you're underplaying on your product and underpricing your service or your product that's your biggest issue so price mm-hmm. your product well appropriately on the back of quality mm-hmm. second i would say look at cost structures one mm-hmm. of the issues which we have seen is really companies and startups really going really after acquiring customers right mm-hmm. at the cost of profitability mm-hmm. so significant advertisement significant sales and marketing acquiring customers but the question is right how can i really optimize the cost structures whether it is on sales and marketing whether it's on customer acquisitions we are living in the digital world so use digital tech absolutely for you as you create your business models so look at cost structures very well third i would say cash flows again whether you're a startup early startup or a mid startup or a late startup right the cash flow monitoring is the key we've seen so many examples of companies really burning cash right month after month month after month but not really monitoring what's the today's situation so cash monitoring is the key fundamental basic but that needs to be the heart of the strategy and i would say an important point in all of this is having the right governance framework the board people and teams who challenges you not just go with the flow but which challenges you a right governance a right mindset of team will definitely challenge some of the business decisions which will create not just the right board the right financial controls the right business controls but also look at having the right set of advisors auditors lawyers internal auditors and all of that so governance is is a fundamentally important aspect of this thing thank you raja this has just been so insightful a norm that is urgently relevant today a deeply insightful and expert guest perspective hacks to storm the norm and a business perspective that's a full plate to wrap up episode 22 of storm the norm now powered by grant thornton bharat as always there are multiple places you can catch us on spotify apple podcasts soundcloud and geo7 by just searching for storm the norm and on saregama carwan 2.0 devices on channel 453 this is narayan and anisha signing off for now we'll be back with a new episode shortly thank you and talk to you soon thank you